Hi, I'm Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast where it's all about Maryland. We have a no-holds-barred conversation featuring Maryland newsmakers and newsbreakers, journalists, reporters, politicos, politicians, policy wonks, prognosticators, political activists, organizers, community leaders, and so many more. Man, that's a lot of peace. Here on a Minor Detail Podcast, we get to the bottom of every story. We talk about news and politics in an open and honest format. And we find the minor details because every detail matters. You can follow us on the web at a aminordetailpodcast.com and aminordetail.com for the latest Maryland news and politics. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Good morning. It's Friday. It's a day before the weekend. The weekend begins for some maybe earlier than expected. My name is Ryan Miner. You are listening to A Minor Detail Podcast on blogtalkradio.com. This morning I have with me, I have John Frenet, who needs no introduction. We had him on the show last week. In fact, we did a in-person podcast together at Harry Brown's in Annapolis. And there, John and I met for the first time to talk about his ionanapolis.net site, where he covers uh, almost exclusively Annapolis news. And today, uh, we're going to talk about the Democratic Central Committee's selection process that occurred last night. I was not there, unfortunately. John was. He reported on it. He has an article up now on ionanapolis.net. John, welcome. Thanks for coming back on. It is Friday, and there's not a cocktail on my table, so I don't know. There must be something wrong with that. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, they say. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 9.02 a.m., and if you want to hit out at noon, I mean, that's fine. You're a busy guy, but still, there's there's no shortage for cocktails in in the city of Annapolis, especially with all that is going on. So, hey, John, what? let's talk about what happened last night. You went to over to Gambrill's, um, which is outside of District 30A. We talked about that last week. Last right. night, the Anne Arundel County Democratic Central Committee met to review the applicants who wanted to fill the seat for the late speaker, Michael Bush, who passed away on April the 7th. That was a Sunday. And, of course, the Central Committee ha- constitutionally is required to submit to review the applicants who want to become a Democratic delegate they submit a name to Governor Hogan. Let's walk through that process, John. What happened last night? You got there, and let, tell me about the applicants, and let's talk about how that process unfolded last night. And I think you were there till pretty late last night. Yeah, the meeting broke up just a little bit before midnight um, when they when they finally wow. came out with a delegate. And a um, hey, spoiler alert: it was Shanika Henson. Um, so that's that's the end of the story. But the uh, how it started out at the beginning is uh, it was actually a very good room to meet in. Uh, I do agree that it probably should have been closer to District 30A, but it was a perfect room to meet in. Uh, they had a place to sequester the candidates. They had a big, huge table for the board or the committee, and there was plenty of room for people. There was probably about 85 people there total, and the crowd did thin out a little bit later as the night wore on and on, though. Um, all 14 candidates were there. There were a couple of last-minute entrants into the candidacy pool um, going into, the, I guess, the 11th hour because the applications weren't due until 5 p.m. on Wednesday. 
Hmm. Okay. And um, so what essentially how the process worked is they took all they put them in a back room. Um, they called them out one by one, and they were given two minutes just to pitch themselves to the to the public, obviously, and to the um, the committee. And then they were asked five specific questions, and each candidate got the same questions. And I'm going to sort of paraphrase them, but the first question was, what uh, are the top issues you see in District 30A? Mm-hmm. And will you run again in 2022? What would be your campaign strategy? When would you launch it? And how would you raise money? How much money would you need? They seem like fair questions. Uh, yeah, Um the third question was, how would you address social issues in the General Assembly for your district? Uh, the fourth one was, um, what committees do you want to serve on and why? And the fifth one was, uh, was the softball. It was, why should, we, uh, why should we vote you as opposed to somebody else? Uh-huh. That, was, that was the process. So they brought them out alphabetically. It started off with uh, Aaron Axe, who came out and did it, and then it went into uh, Brian Chittam, and then uh, Sheila Finlayson, Vicki Gibson. Jenny Green, Jenny Henson, Chrissy Holt, Monica Lindsay, Jared Lippman, Mike Miller. I'm reading my hand scribbles here. Um, Brooke Chandlemeyer, Sienna Scott, Greg Stewart, and um, Keith. I can't read my own writing, but it begins with a V. So you say that there was two last-minute additions to the applicant pool, correct? Yeah. Okay, and, so and they then – weren't last minute. I do want to be clear about that. This is uh, the Dem- Democratic Committee also solicited, you know, your supporters to send emails of, you know, hey, vote for this guy, vote for that girl, and everything else. And they were inundated with it. And I did see the uh, actual email. They did submit on time, so it wasn't anything funny like, ooh, ooh hey, I've got my cousin Frankie that wants to get in on the thing or anything like that. It's just that it was overlooked because they said they had a whole bunch of emails to go through. And they just missed that one or two. So they were added actually on Thursday morning. They were added Thursday morning. Let's talk about the applicants. John, were there any applicants who stood out when you were watching, when they answered the questions? Did you, subjectively speaking, did you notice applicants who shined over some of the others who had the opportunity to speak before the Anne Arundel County Democratic Central Committee yesterday evening. Well, when you say speak before them, you mean in front of them as opposed to not yeah, I mean, they, or something like that. But yeah, I mean, there, there was actually a very strong pool of applicants on here. And I, I do think that, uh, you know, coming out of that, if I didn't, you know, if I didn't know what I know about some of the other applicants, and I, I just say that as just general knowledge, if I was just, I happened to stumble in on the meeting and said, hey, what's this all about? And they said, oh, we're figuring out a new delegate. Oh, can I listen? Yeah. Um, Shanika Henson did a hell of a job. I mean, she was prepared. She knew the answers. She uh, came out very strong. She was personable. And uh, quite honestly, as I said to you last week when we met at Harry Brown's, I think, I think she's eminently qualified. I think that uh, she really is, and there were some other very strong candidates. Uh, Jared Lippman, who was a former alderman from Ward 5 in Annapolis. We had Sheila Finlayson, who's the current alderwoman for – Ward four, or yeah, older woman for Ward four. Um, they were both very strong. I think Henry Green was also very strong as well. So, was there anything about their answers that caught your attention that indicated that they would be a better candidate over the others? Um, 
Wow, that's, it's kind of, it's kind of a tough one. I mean, a lot of the theme was that you know it, it it is a Democratic Central Committee and it is a Democratic Party, and it was a lot of the answers revolved around okay, what do we need to do. Uh, to thwart the Republicans and thwart Governor Hogan and everything else, which is to be expected because if I would go to a Republican one, I'm sure it's like, okay, we've got – I mean, you know, eight years ago, okay, we got to thwart O'Malley. we got to – you know, uh, we can't let, possibly let Anthony Brown get in. Uh, so that, there, there was an awful lot of that. There were some people that I felt that really want that, qualified for that. I mean, they're certainly qualified for what they do, and they're very good people, and they're probably – would make a decent delegate, but I don't think that they were specifically qualified for that position. Um, on, you know, the John, you and I were. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You go. John, last week you and I talked about the the politics actually surrounding the politics of making the decision. It was based on our sources, and you and I talked. We didn't disclose our sources to one another, but we know that we got the sense at least from – I did – from having a online conversation through uh, Facebook Messenger with Senator Sarah Alfreth and Delegate Alice Kane that they were pushing – Shanika Henson. They were supportive of her candidacy, and they were not shy about, I assume, telling the Central Committee. I have no knowledge of their communications with the Central Committee. I have no knowledge of their conversations with any members of the Central Committee. However, I did receive a note last week from one of the members of the Central Committee who asked to remain anonymous that Shanika Henson was pretty much a done deal. Do you have any insight on that? Um, I think I probably got the same information that you did. And uh, okay. that yes, and we had heard that that Shanika was a, a done deal, and and I want to emphasize that she's not a bad deal at all by any means. I mean, she's I think she's a very solid thing. I think she's a solid candidate. I think she's going to do wonderfully as as a delegate. Um, you know, maybe I have a a little bit of a bias to different different ones. I mean, I think there's some other people that could have also done an equal job, but I don't think Shanika's a bad choice at all by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I do agree. I think that um, you know Senator Elfrith, Delegate Kane. Uh, you know, had their I don't want to call it an agenda, but they had their candidate, and they did they did push that. Uh, they they did speak for pretty much at length actually during the public comment session of this. And I did forget to mention that after um, all the questions by the candidates, they were able to stay out in the room now at this point, and then they could have their supporters come up and you know just sort of support them and say, hey, this is why I think you should select, you know, whether it's Aaron Hacks or Henry Green or whoever it may be, um, but. The senator and the delegate did speak at length as to not specifically who they would like to see, but the qualities they wanted to see in the delegate. John, do you get a sense, being from Annapolis, covering politics and reporting on local issues, that this process – and I don't want to use the word rig, but do you get a sense that it was set up so that um, the older woman was already – uh, well, well, and it seems like that other candidates who applied that it was nothing but a farce if this was already set up and intended the the process was intended to pick uh, the alder woman. And we know how the delegate and senator felt. Clearly, they they had their leanings toward one particular candidate. And we know that based on the information you and I received from the central committee member that they. We're clearly leaning in the direction of Shanika Henson. Does that does that prove to be a problem for the process? Does that prove to be uh, an issue for uh, other candidates who applied, knowing this going in? I mean, I wrote an article about this 
And it just seems like that other candidates may not have had a fair shot given the, given the process seem, seemingly was already predetermined. Um, yeah, it probably is. And, and I do agree. That the, I'll, I'll say if, if the fix was in, uh, the beauty of it is that nobody will ever know. And if it wasn't in, the beauty of it is that, that nobody will ever know. Uh, you know, had Shanika Henson been a horrible candidate that had zero qualifications, that had no business uh, anywhere near the state house, and she sails in, then then that would be something to look at. Um, that's not that's not the case here. And you know, she's very, like, again, I think she's she's very qualified. But personally, I do feel that there was a lot of backroom machinations on this, and I did do a, an opinion piece on Annapolis specifically on this um, in that the, you know, Senator and the delegate did have a candidate in mind and, and that's perfectly fine, but whether the, um, whether they exerted the influence or not over the central committee, again, I don't know. I think it just seems a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit disingenuous to me. And I, and I do think uh, it's dissuasive to, to anybody that does want to get into the political realm. Um, I mean, you know, there's some candidates that I know personally that were in here uh, that are very, very measured, very logical, very, uh, very above board. And, um, it, you know, they're, they're getting discouraged from it. Do you think that it would be hard for the central committee to n- ignore the advice of the delegation, ignore the advice of Alice Kane? And Sarah Alfreth, I, I I look on that, and I from an outsider looking in to the process, it would almost be impossible for members of the Central Committee to pl- put aside that information that they received from Senator Alfreth or Alice Kane. And you know, again, I I think that some of the applicants with whom I spoke with were discouraged by the process that they did not get a fair shake, that they, that the, the, the delegation members inserted their influence, which is, I, they can do that. There's no, there's no rule against that. There's nothing that says that they cannot advocate for someone they think is best to fill the seat, but still other committee members, or rather other members who applied, other Folks that put their application in and, and spoke last night, I've talked to a few of them, and they feel like they got a raw deal, John. I, I think they probably did, and and I think there's some certain ways they can do it. Yes, you you know the, the senator and the delegate are entitled to their opinions and their their candidates, and they're entitled to, to push them you know forward as much. I mean, if I was friends with somebody on the central committee, I you know I, and I could bend their ear, um, that's fine. Did they actually call them up and say, hey, I want you to vote for this? I'm guessing not. Um, but I mean, did the word get back to the central committee saying that, hey, this to the delegation is backing? Um, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that you know you do have to listen to the delegation. These are the two people that are elected to represent the people. They are effectively the leaders of the District 30A. And uh, and and you know from a practical point of view, they also need to have somebody that they can work with as well. Uh, sure. They've got three years ahead of them to do that. Uh, the central committee has to look and say, well, you know, is the per- next person electable coming down in 2022? And that was obviously the gist of the question that they asked about: Are you going to run? And there was actually one candidate who said no. Who uh, was said, the I'm candidate? I'm not sure, but I think 
Um, that was uh, Sienna Scott, who is actually a, a staffer in the state house for that delegation, and she had worked with Bush for a long time. And and she said, no, but I I I know how it works. I'm going to work to raise money for Democrats and 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 do that. So. Uh, that was refreshing. But I think that the Central Committee, whether it be Republican or Democrat, tends to be uh, very centrist. I mean, they're very party-centric. It's, you know, party, 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 party. And you look at, um, similar to the memo that Maya Rockamore Cummings just put out yesterday, um, saying, hey, you know, you toe the line with the speaker selection, or you're going to feel the wrath of the party coming down on you. And I think that that's sort of a, on a smaller role than what we've got going on here. Did any of the candidates indicate how they would vote in the speaker's race? Um, no, no, they, no, they didn't. But I believe, um, no, I, I actually, I, I lost a little track of my mind there. But it was, uh, they, uh, no, they did, they didn't. And I, it's questionable as to whether they will be able to vote in the speaker's race or not. We don't know when Governor, I would, Governor Hogan's got the special election coming or the um, special session coming up on May first, and we're not sure when they're going to submit the name. They did say that the uh, winning candidate Shanika would have to go through a full background check by the Democratic Central Committee prior to being sent to the governor. So I don't know how long that's going to take and how long it's going to sit on the governor's desk before he takes action. My guess is that he probably wouldn't take action until after they selected a speaker. Well, you see, I, I would think that perhaps that they may, they take, they may take action immediately. The special, the special session is on May the 1st, which I believe is Thursday. Um, is that correct? Thursday. Yeah, I think it's Thursday. I'm just looking at my calendar right now, and right. they're going in. Yeah, that's it's. Oh wait, let's see. Today is, could be Wednesday. I I don't know. Um, May third. Oh, May third is or May first is Wednesday. I'm sorry. Anyway, the the special session is next next week. I would think that they if they could get the background check done in time, they completed in time, and the governor says yes on uh, Alderwoman Henson, then maybe they would use the special session to swear her in uh, before the chamber. I don't know. It's just a thought. Um, and then they, yeah, it would be a kind of a monument to, uh, you know, would be a lot of circumstance and pomp and circumstance there. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, and I'm only speculating at this point. So now that it's, it's likely it would be likely that the governor would accept their decision. I th- I believe so. I unless there's something that uh, is I, awry in the background that would prevent her from serving. However, I don't I don't believe there is. I mean, she's she's already she's an elected official now. So any it's likely anything that would have come it would come out prior to that. So well, I mean, she's, she's pretty she's, much she's an attorney. She's an attorney with the uh, with the state of Maryland. Uh, she yeah. is a, she is a state employee. Um, she is an elected official. So I mean, there's there's nothing there on the background check to be honest with you. Uh, you know, unless there's uh, you know some some crazy pictures of her jaywalking someplace or something like that. But I mean, um, <laughs> you know, and they, they've got they've got to turn around and they've got to get this background check. Whether uh, you know, and and again, I don't know how deep the background check would be done today. It needs to get over onto the governor's desk, I would think, by Monday the 29th, and then he's got a day to decide what he wants to do with it. John, let's talk about Shanika Henson. What kind of person is she? Is is she? You said that she had a great interview. She was elected in 2017 as an Annapolis alderwoman representing Ward Six. What 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 is it that we should know about her? Um, I I don't I, you know I'm not a constituent of hers here in the city, but uh, I I do know her. She is dynamic. She is out in the community. She is very 
centric to her ward. And one of the things she said in her in her um, introduction to the committee last night was that this is something that she's going to have to get out of her ward. I mean, she's a native Annapolitan. She's born and raised here. I do believe, and I may be speaking out of turn, but I do believe she was raised in public housing initially and got out of public housing and is just has, has a great success story. Um, but she said that she's really looking forward to expanding outside of Annapolis because 30A does cover a lot of Anne Arundel County. Uh, you know, it's got a little slice over there on the Broadneck Peninsula. It's got, um, you know, the rest down on the Annapolis Peninsula. I think it even has like a little, uh, I don't know, probably like three driveways and uh, over in Edgewater. Mm-hmm. So she's looking forward, and I, and I think that she feels that that's a challenge for her to get out into that area because, I mean, you know, she, you're, you know, you're you're very comfortable in your own sandbox. Right. Did she? You mentioned in the questions that they asked the candidates, which committee would they like to serve on? Which committee did Alderwoman Henson indicate she'd like to serve on? I don't have my notes here. I'm going to have to go. To, I'm going to have to go to the tape on that, Ryan. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I do have a, a tape recording of that, and I can actually send you a Dropbox link of that when we're when we're done here. I don't remember exactly which committee she uh, said she was looking to serve on. Um, I mean, I know she said that uh, the big issues that she saw were um, pay equality um, and uh, pay equality, uh, public housing. I'm trying to think what other couple, which are, there's, again, nothing surprising. I mean, I, I said to somebody that I was sitting there last night, it's almost like that uh, that movie with, uh, oh, gosh, Miss Congenial, the beauty, the beauty pageant movie uh-huh. with uh, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> like, well, what's what's the what, what do you need to do? And it's like, oh, I need to solve world peace. You know, we need peace. And every every candidate was going like, oh, we need to do. You know, and it seemed to be the same thing. Things was coming on the the issues that were there. And I'm not saying that they're not issues. They certainly are. Um, but it was um, it was uh, it, it was a very interesting night. Hmm. Um, let's talk about what happens next. Um, once. That once the alderwoman is appointed to the Maryland General Assembly, then that would leave a vacancy for her Ward 6 seat. What action then would Mayor Buckley have to take? What is the official process? Okay, as soon as she gets the appointment, right now she is still an alderwoman as far as I know, unless something crazy happened this morning. Um, as soon as she does get the official nod from Governor Hogan, says that um, I'm, I accept it. And I don't know exactly when that triggers it. Is it when she's sworn in or when the governor says, yeah, you're, you're good? Because I think you can swear them in at any time. It doesn't need to be in front of the whole General Assembly. I mean, that, that, it could be done in the driveway of Government House if, if they wanted to. <laughs> that would um, be fun. But yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, let's let's go get a beer afterwards. We'll be fine. Um, but as soon as the as soon as she accepts that position and she is given that nod, Mayor Buckley has uh, five days to issue a proclamation saying there is a vacancy in that seat. Right. And within that proclamation, he has to say that there's going to be a special election, and that special election, which will be a primary for both Republicans and Democrats, yet only for that specific ward. It has to be held within 23 to 30 days of the date of his proclamation. And then yeah. then you, between 21 and 30 days after that primary election, there has to be a full general election. So the city of Annapolis in Ward 6 is looking for two elections coming up fairly soon. And if my math is right, you'd probably look probably the third week of uh, provided everything goes as planned, probably the third week of May and then the third week of June would be 
election weeks in Ward 6. So when she which, ran in which 2000 and... – go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. When, when Shanika Henson ran in 2017 in the Democratic primary, she faced off against one person, and that was – I believe it's DeJean Gray or Ga- DeJean Gay. DeJuan, DeJuan and Gay, yeah. Dewan Gay, and my apologies for mispronouncing his name. Um, my understanding is, and from what I have heard from my sources, is that the the Mayor Gavin Buckley um, ha- has reached out to him pr- even prior to this process um, coming to fruition, be the next Ward Six delegate. However, I think he's on the Eastern Shore. I think he's he's attending some sort of schooling there. So, what have you heard, John, about that process? Um- and actually, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, Mayor Buckley had approached him. I had two people come to me telling me uh, that they specifically heard the mayor talking about it. And these two people weren't related at the same space. They weren't at the same place or anything like that. So it wasn't even the same conversation. So uh, I do believe that the mayor probably has had conversations with Dewan to see whether he was interested in that. Uh, I don't know whether he is interested in it yet. He is a still a student. I believe he's going to University of Maryland Eastern Shore. He is a resident of um, – you know, of Anne, of Anne Arundel County, of the city of Annapolis in Ward 6. So he certainly is uh, qualified uh, technically to do that. And um, I, I don't believe the fact, just if you look at um, what happened on the county council here down here when that one uh, councilman ended up going to prison, he said, oh, that's just a temporary address and ended up successfully suing for a seat back. So I don't think going to school uh, precludes you from having a, uh, you know, an address or being a legal resident of the city. Uh, the question would be, if he did it, how effective could he be? If he's got school, does he have the time and everything else? But again, people will figure out the way to work time. I mean, Jared Littman in his statements said, you know, he always likes to hire people that are busy, that are really strapped because they figure out how to make time work. And he said that he has the time as the owner of the hardware store because he can delegate stuff. So he can figure out how much time he needs to make, uh, you know, for whatever he's doing and and be able to do it. And he's got that luxury. Um, I don't, I don't know what Dewan is thinking. Um, I don't know who uh, w- else would run. I don't have any real pulse on that because that word, uh, for the most part tends to be uh, a very, very low voter turnout. And there's uh, it's, it's just a very strange ward. And I, I think, but I, I will make a prediction that the next person that holds that seat will have won by just around a hundred votes, okay. which to me wow. is just mind mind blowing and uh, disgusting in any sorts of number of different ways. So, well, that seems to be the process moving forward. It uh, it looks like that it was done accordingly. That the central committee last night um, followed the their their guidelines of how to select. It took a while. They heard all the candidates. They did right by everyone who wanted a shot at the seat. They heard them. Uh, they reviewed the applicants, and now we have a new delegate. And, of course, I'm sure that you've heard last night many sentiments, positive sentiments expressed for the late Speaker Bush. What was that like? What was the mood like uh, regarding the late Speaker? You know, it, it, was, it was great. Cindy Bush was there as well, and uh, she oh, wanted that's to nice. see the, the, situ- the, the situation and how, how it unfolded. Uh, there was somebody that had read a letter uh, that Speaker Bush had written um, you know, to this person and everything else. And everybody pretty much had accolades with it. There was a sign up there that said, thank you, Speaker Bush, that was hung up behind the committee. Um, and, it, you know, he was huge. 
He, I mean, he, he was huge in Anne Arundel County. He was great for us. And I think one of the really big challenges that are facing the three delegate or the two delegates and the senator that we've got is that we here in Annapolis have gotten used to Speaker Bush's influence. And I mean, the, the tagline on his campaign signs was uh, Maryland Speaker, our delegate. And, you know, Maryland Hall needs a million bucks. I don't mean to pick on Maryland Hall. It's like, hey, Speaker Bush, we need a million bucks to do this. Can we do it? He's, yeah, I'll get that done. Uh, the city calls us, hey, we've got some flooding. Can we, you know, you think we can get three million? But yeah, we'll, we'll figure a way to do that out. And because he had that influence, he had the 32 years in the in the House of Delegates. He had the 16 years as the speaker. He wielded that power that we don't have that anymore. We yeah. have three freshman legislators that now are going to need to work with, you know, either a Baltimore, uh, a Baltimore or Prince George's speaker who is probably going to want to be exerting that influence on their own home districts as best, you know, as best they can. Um, so I think, I think the constituency is probably in for a little bit of a wake up call. Um, and I think it's going to be years and years before we see any kind of, um, you know, measurable stuff like we, we had seen with, with speaker Bush. John, I appreciate you coming on this morning and taking the time to, get involved in the process uh, in so much as covering it and to bringing that to your readers. I appreciate your, your insight and your reporting on this. And if anybody is looking for the article, just check out on ionanapolis.net. And uh, you have, of course, that the Democratic Central Committee selects Alderwoman Shanika Henson to succeed Bush. The article is there, and they can check out your video. John, as always, I appreciate what you do, and I uh, hope you come back sometime. Absolutely. Hey, can one more thing I can uh, on the process that I, I forgot to mention real quickly is that after the public spoke, they went back into an exec executive session, the whole committee, and they sat there for about an hour and a half talking, 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 talking. And then they came back and they did the first round of voting, and um, that eliminated pretty much the, the people that didn't get any votes. And then they came back for the second round, and that's where Shanika Henson was chosen. But there were some people that were talking about, well, why are they going back into this executive session? Why? Now they've heard the candidates. They've, they've read the candidate stuff. They've heard the candidates. They've heard from the public. Why don't they immediately go and say, okay, who do you vote for? Who do you vote yeah. for? Who do you vote I mean, for? That's, that's fair, um, but I, so, kind of like a jury, I, I imagine they'd had to deliberate in, in a sense, right? Um, yeah, to, yeah. Yeah, and, th and that's, again, that was, that was the other thing. People were saying, you know, you, yeah, you want to get there. You want to hear – well, I'm going to vote for Bill Smith. Well, why are you voting for him? Oh, okay, I didn't think about that. And you know, I, I get it. Um, but there, it's just a, it was just a conversation that, that I had overheard there that people were looking to do that. But it was, uh, you know, it, it 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 you know everything went you know according to their uh, their bylaws and whatnot. There were a lot, there were a lot of elected officials that were there from the county and the state. Uh, Delegate Saab was there. Um, which some people were surprised at. Um, the vice chair of the Maryland Democratic Party was there. There was you know several people that were uh, there as well. So uh, you know, all in all, I think uh, you know, I, I think we've got a good selection. Uh, I I still question the uh, the method in which we got here, and I, I don't you know. I think there's going to be more conversation about the method, the process, the the underbelly of this process. And I think that's fair to discuss too. If, if this process was laid out in that one person was at the front of the line and they, they went into this process, many, maybe many, many of the members of the central committee wanted to hear out all the candidates and they hadn't made up their minds. And that's fair too. And I, I believe that, but 
if this process was predetermined that Shanika Henson was going to be the candidate, then there are some legitimate grievances that other candidates who applied for the seat might have. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I mean, and I'm sure we'll learn more about that. That's true. And, uh, you know, we had somebody, um, you know, speak on behalf of, uh, I believe it was Aaron Axe who said that, you know, you need to look at the will of the people. And, you know, Aaron did had, had come in third in that, in that race just a couple of months ago with 2000 votes. And I, I mean, I think that that's, you know, let's, take the qualifications of office aside. I mean, the guy did step up and run. And I mean, that does say something. I mean, that he did earn a, a significant amount of votes. Um, you know, whether that's makes him more qualified over somebody else, I don't know. But that's, um, you know, I, I think that certainly is something that needed to be considered that I don't believe was. That that he that he went in and ran and um, came up short by, you know, a thousand or more votes. And then he was denied by the Central Committee to to the seat that even though he put his name he ran a campaign he obviously built a um a constituency he has supporters and uh, i mean you can make a case that the central committee ignored the will of the people um i mean that's just one you, side you obviously um or you can make the opposite the opposing argument that look the voters rejected him they they didn't want him uh they picked alice kane instead of him in the two-member district so there's two arguments to be made. So, well, John, I think we, we said it all this morning. I appreciate your reporting, um, and I'm sure there's more to to come on this. We'll find out what the governor has to say, uh, and as the committee finishes uh, looking into her background, making sure that everything is copacetic, um, and it, it appears that that will be just fine. They'll move it on to the governor, and then he will make the official appointment. But I will tell you that next uh, next week when they go into special session to elect a new Speaker of the House, that will be something worthy of covering and, and worth following. And I hope I see you there um, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it, John. You and I can get together. That'll again. be interesting. Yes, it will. Have so, a great weekend, Ryan. You as well. Thanks, John. Thanks for coming on this morning. Bye. Bye bye. You can subscribe to a minor detail podcast on iTunes. CastBox, Overcast, or any application where you listen to podcasts. Like a Minor Detail podcast on Facebook and follow the conversation on Twitter at AMD Podcast. If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring a Minor Detail podcast, please reach out to me at ryan at a minor detail.com. Thanks so much for listening.